today on It's Time. When we realize that when repentance meets the message that we bring, you see how God uses you. I hear the calling, it's time. It's time. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the Old Testament book of Jonah. So, turn there in your Bible and follow along as we join Pastor Mike. Verse 10, then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. By the way, repentance is always necessary for salvation. It always is. Why? You have to cease doing what you want and be about your daddy's business. But really, when you think about it, everything we do ain't going to last anyway. Things done for God are not only going to define who you are, because you're a child of the king, but you're going to be rewarded for it throughout all of eternity. It says that God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Amazing. See, God had been working on them all along. He just needed a messenger to go and tell them, you, me, we're the messengers. How great that is. Now, I wish the story stopped here. But it doesn't. In fact, you'll find that many times in the Bible. It would be really cool if the next chapter wasn't there. But notice this. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. He became angry that the city repented. The biggest revival recorded in the Bible, first of all. Second of all, it was a Gentile city, and Jews didn't like Gentiles. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. Now notice why it displeased him. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Wow, this is the Old Testament, friends. I've had people say, well, why was God such a God of wrath, fire, and brimstone in the Old Testament? And he was a God of love and all that kind of stuff in the New Testament. Well, God changed. No, God's always the same. Now, the way we approach God, not through the law and the Ten Commandments, but we approach God through Jesus Christ, that's what changed. But notice what he says here. I know that you're gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents from doing harm. God does not enjoy judging people for their sin. That's why he sent Jesus to, the Father sent Jesus to forgive us. But notice, Jonah didn't like that. Therefore, now, O Lord, please 
Take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Because a city believed his message. Isn't it weird sometimes that the servants of God are sometimes the most squirrely people? <laughs> I'm not. Doesn't, doesn't surprise me. I, I, I look in the mirror sometimes. See, here's the problem. Jonah didn't like Nineveh. Nineveh conquered the ten northern tribes of Israel, hauled them away captive, relocated them, moved Gentiles into the area of the northern ten tribes. They intermingled with the few of the left Jews that were still there, and they became what was known as the Samaritans. They were half-breeds. That's all he ever heard. Anyway, they're half-breeds. And so they didn't converse with one another. That's why it was so weird when Jesus went out of his way to meet the woman at the well. She says, how is it that you being a Jew and me being a Samaritan, you ask me for water? We don't speak to one another. Well, that was because they were half-breeds. And here Jonah shares a message with the Gentiles And the Gentiles repent. Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Now, I like this. Have you ever gotten into an argument with God? I have. You hear God's love and you hear God speaking to you about what you need to do and you don't want to do it. Now, I think this goes back to chapter one of Jonah. Shared this story before, but I worked in a body shop for many years, and, and uh, we were straightening out a very expensive Porsche bumper. And I hit my hand with a, with a hammer and I, my thumb, and I, blood was gut running all over. And I handed the bumper to one of the guys that was working there. And I said, here, hold this. I got to go wash my hands off. Now, it was painted. It was nice. We were straightening out the bumper bracket so it would fit. And I turned to go to the bathroom and he drops it on the floor, scratching it all up. Bang, 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 bang. And I turn around and I swore at him. Now, I've been, I had Jesus bumper stickers on my toolbox. God put it all together. You know, I wore my Jesus bumper stickers on my forehead when I'd come into work. And we go, oh, here's the Jesus freak. And I'd have my Jesus music playing, you know, on my uh, eight track. Ah, that dates some of you people. What's an eight track? Well, I'll tell you later. One thing about an 8-track, though, if anybody ever remembered that, you never had to really rewind it. It would just keep playing and playing and playing. It would go from track 4 back to track 1, never stop. I don't know what, how that's relevant to anything, but that's the truth. And so when I cussed at him, it was like the whole shop, you know, it's like when EF bullish talk, people listen. You know, and the whole shop got quiet. Mike just said a cuss word. And I went in and I turned the water on and blood's running down the sink and all over my hand and my thumb is, you know, swolled up. And God says, go say you're sorry. And I said, no. I said, people cuss every day in the shop. It's never a hammer. It's a hammer. It's never just a fender. It's a fender. And I said, I say one cuss word and I got to go say I'm sorry. No. Anybody, you ever get in an argument with God? I did. And I had. And I wouldn't do it. And, And so God kept telling me a couple times. And finally I said, I'm not doing it. And I heard this icy 
silence. And I don't know if you've ever heard that icy silence when you're in rebellion to God, but I had that. And so I wrapped a towel around my hand and I walked back out. And I said, hey, uh, John, I'm sorry I, I swore at you. I didn't mean to do that. And I did it so everybody in the shop was watching. Because when I came out and I had the towel around, everybody was staring at me. And I walked up to him and I specially did that. And his reaction was absolutely astounding. He goes, um, uh, he didn't know how to react. There was more gospel preached in the asking of forgiveness than in all the preaching I ever did to him. You see, because the thing is, is that I, I, I offended him because I said something wrong. And I, I realized that that's what God wants from all of us. And so in doing that, I had this argument with God. Well, here you find an argument with God. Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? And Jonas went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. And there he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. He was having a pity party. He goes out of the city, 40 days yet Nineveh is going to be overthrown. He knows that the city's repented. And so he goes up on the hill and makes him a little, probably got some palm branches or whatever. And he kind of just sets up there with his arms folded, waiting for God to fry the city. Now I'll tell you something. If God will use a person like Jonah, how much more will he use you and me that has at least a willingness to reach out and to love people? And so he wanted to see what would become of the city. Verse 6. Then the Lord prepared a plant that come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. A miraculous plant, Jack and the Beanstalk, I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, it grew fast, it grew up, probably something like a big sunflower kind of those things, and it was kind of like a little sunshade for him. He made this little booth up there that was trying to get some of the weather off of him, and so this plant grows up, and he's happy about the plant. Oh, yay, plant. By the morning dawn, the next day, God prepared a worm. And so it damaged the plant, and it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a violent east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint, and he wished for death for himself, and he said, it is better for me to die than to live. By the way, I, I have actually talked to Christians that have felt this way. I felt this way. And I think for a lot of people, if you're honest, you probably admit that. Sometimes life gets overwhelming. Sometimes life, things don't go the way you think they should go. And this is exactly what happened to Jonah. Jonah thought he was going to deliver the message, go up in the hill, fire was going to come down from heaven, burn them all up. Yay, Nineveh's are gone. Those are our enemies. Bye, see y'all. And use the uh, return part of his ticket back to, back to uh, Joppa, where he was from. We talked about Joppa. Joppa where's where the, was the launch point, really, for the gospel to the Gentiles. And Joppa is where Jonah gets the ticket to go to run away from bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. God's got a sense of humor in these things. And so then God spoke to Jonah. 
Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Your little sunshade that grew up overnight? And he said, it is right for me to be angry even unto death. (laughs) I, I look at this. The plant dies and Jonah is so mad. He says, God says, is it right for you to be angry about this? And he goes, yes, this plant died. I'm mad about that. Now, real, some real quick news here, friends. Again, if God uses people like this, man, I'll tell you, God can use us in great ways. If you have a willing heart to do anything for God, not like Jonah, but a willingness He says, but the Lord said, you have pity on the plant which you did not labor for, nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should I not have pity on Nineveh, that great city, which is more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and so much more, even the livestock? God says, There's 120,000 children in this town, Jonah, that you wanted me to fry. You rejoice over a plant, but you won't rejoice over children and even livestock that would be destroyed in a judgment. Buddy, your priorities are whacked out. Isn't it funny? This book is even in the Bible. I mean, when you stop to think about it, You see the foolishness and even the foolish way Jonah prayed. Well, God, just let me die right here. My plant died. Again, when we look at how God uses us, when we realize that when repentance meets the message that we bring, you see how God uses you. You know you're a child of his. The greater the sinner, the greater the repentance. In fact, I have found many times and many hardcore sinners like Nineveh was, there's a willingness to repent because in all their wickedness, they know they're not happy. They've gone as far off the Richter scale as they can go in wickedness and there's still no answers to life. And so their desire is for a change in their life. You're going to run into people like this all day long, all week long, the rest of your life. Repentance really shows a person's character. The importance of recognizing you're on the wrong road and the honesty that it takes to get off the wrong road to get back where God wants you to be. And to realize that God used you directly in their eternity to change them from darkness to light. You see, that's why we're saved, friends. We're not just saved to set. We're not just saved to occupy space. We're saved for a reason, and that is to bring about the glory of God. This morning, if you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to consider Jesus. Here's why. Because you need hope. You know, this morning is communion, and it's the only physical, tangible thing that God gave us to remember him by. He never said, remember me by a nice, really cool, you know, really cool gold cross around your neck. And by the way, if anybody has that, I didn't see it. I'm not making fun of you. Okay. But if anybody, 
we're not told to remember Jesus by any physical thing. The reason why idolatry was such a problem, and, and because we're idolaters by nature. We like to worship what we see, whether it's an idea, a concept of God shaped into a form, or whether it's a brand new Corvette, man. Whatever it is, we're motivated by sight. And that's the problem. Because all those things fade away. They're man's concept of greatness. And again, whether it's a Yugo or, by the way, they say one of the best, uh, one of the best um, options that you could get on a Yugo. Remember those? Anybody remember what they were? They, they, they sold the, the Fiat dies to Yugoslavia, and then Yugoslavia began to pump out these, these rebadged Fiats. And uh, anyway, they were, they were found all over European highways with their hood open. But the thing is, they said one of the best options you could get on a Yugo was the heated rear window defroster. That way, when you're pushing the cars in the winter, your fingers didn't get cold. That was a dirt trail, sorry. I just do that. The point is that God has a purpose for us and a purpose for you. God didn't want us to think of what greatness was, whether it's the shape of a car, or maybe not so much a car, or what we think a God looks like, or what God doesn't look like. The Bible says those that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, we get who God is from his word. That's how we know who God is. Not from a concept from an artist saying this is who God looks like, or this is what God is. This is why idolatry was wrong. Because God wants to be alive in your heart in that relationship. This morning, if you're not born again, you need to be. You don't have any hope. What are you going to do when you die? Hope you were good enough to get into heaven? Well, if you're not, it's too late to do anything about it. So what does God do? God says, I'm going to give you an assurance of salvation. It comes only from me. I always tell people, I'm, as, I'm eternally saved as I want to be. I don't want to ever play on the wrong side of the fence. I read the, what happens to the churches in Revelation 2 and 3. But as long as you want to be in Christ, and sometimes even when we're a little rebellious, like Jonah was, God still used him. And you know, it's a funny thing that God will use anyone who will come to him. Jesus said, come to me. All you labor, heavy laden, I will give you rest. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you want is rest in your soul? So God gives that to us, not because we're deserving of it, but because as we read earlier, he said, God, you are slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. And by the way, this is found in Psalms, Isaiah, Numbers, Jeremiah, all the way through the Old Testament, God's loving kindness. See, that way you're not under God's wrath, you're under God's blessing. This morning, when we pray and we say, Lord, come into my heart, forgive me of me trying to define life my way. That's what sin is. And I want to be about your business from now on. That's what being born again is. And putting that blood that Jesus shed on the cross when he died for our place, covering our sins, washing us clean, now I can be about daddy's business. Isn't that good news? Boy, so much better than, than trying to uh, manufacture your own uh, spirituality. I wouldn't know where to start. Wouldn't know where to end. 
But Jesus, it all starts and ends with him. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, author and finisher of our faith. This morning, if you've never asked Christ into your life, we're going to pray right now. And you can ask Jesus to come into your life, forgive your sins. He'll do exactly what you ask. And people say, well, I don't see how, how saying a prayer can change my destiny. I don't see how that is. I don't see how saying a prayer can change me from, from a, a, the life that I've been living and an eventual punishment for it and, and, and saying a prayer and going to heaven. How about this? How about when you go into the title escrow office and they slide a piece of paper across the table and they say, here, sign this. And you make your signature on that piece of paper and he looks at you and says, congratulations, you just bought a new house. You mean just by wiggling my hand with some ink allowed me to have a house? Yeah. It also, shining on a piece of paper, can also sign off the title on your car. You see, we sometimes think that big life changes take over periods of of years. And yeah, you've given God permission to work in your life when you accept him as Savior. But the thing is, it begins somewhere. And just as you sign a title deed, just as you sign a pink slip of a car, it changes everything. When you pray, it changes everything. But what happens? So this morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray right now. And you can ask God to change your life. Then you will know that you are, in fact, a messenger of his. That, in fact, you'll know that you were sent by him. And third, when we get there, we have a message to share. Well, I just hope you make it. Be cool. I ain't going to do anything for anybody. Have a nice day. (laughs) That don't do anything. Ain't going to fix anybody's problem. But Jesus can, and Jesus will. If you've never prayed and asked Christ in your life, let's pray right now. Get serious with God. Say, okay, God, I'm done. I I don't want to live the way I've lived anymore. I don't want another 10 years like I just had. I don't want another five years like I just had. I want a new life. God will give it to you. We're going to pray right now. Let's all pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I'm sorry I lived without you. But never again. And so from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Make me the best I can be for you. Change me from the inside out. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to be about your business. And thank you for eternal life, living with you forever in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.